This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by the Ultra Running Company, NH Trail Runner, Stacy Dunn, and all of our Patreon supporters and listeners. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. We are going to meet a great runner today from just outside of Nashville. His name is Joe Jude, and Joe Jude was put on my radar because of something incredible he did at Frozen Head State Park. Now, both Jeff and I absolutely love Frozen Head State Park, such an awesome place. He recently ran... 200 miles in five days out at Frozen Head State Park. He was doing the double Barkley Challenge Loop every day for five straight days. And we get to hear his running story from running in high school to running college cross country to discovering running again. And what's really cool about Joe's story is it seems like the universe puts people in his life or whatever higher power you believe in puts people in his life that has really led him to have a real great love and joy for trail and ultra running. A great conversation that covers a lot of bases on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Nice to have you. I I saw what you did um, at Frozen Head. Correct. Which was the 200 miles in five days. Yeah, uh, I'm about four weeks out from that now, you know, uh, looking back at that, still can't believe that that had happened, but... Well, we need to talk about that, because I know people are saying, oh, 200 miles in five days. Well, we'll talk about Frozen Head and, and just the, the beauty of that place and, and how, that, if, if you don't know what Frozen Head is, first of all, you've never seen the Barkley Marathon's many documentaries, and, and we'll, we'll educate you in just a couple minutes, but I want to thank you for coming over. Um, you're you're here in in studio, which is the which is the kitchen, yeah. with Jeff and I. You're from uh, Brentwood, right? Oh uh, yeah, I live in Brentwood right now. Uh, originally from uh, Ashley, Pennsylvania, bounced around the Northeast for a while, upstate New York, mm-hmm. Vermont, and uh, eventually made my way down here about three years ago. So, what brought you to Tennessee three years ago? Uh, so I was at a point in my career, I was looking for something new and, you know, I started throwing out job applications everywhere and, uh, Tennessee, Nashville hit and my brother's been, uh, in Franklin for about 10 years now. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't lived by family in a long time, work for the government, bounce around all over the place to get new jobs. And, uh, when I had the opportunity to live near family again, I jumped right on it. So here you are, you're a guy who grew up in the Northeast mainly. Yep. Right. And then you come down to Tennessee. There's a little bit of culture shock when you come from. These people are quite right. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you experience a little, a little culture shock coming down to, to Tennessee? You know, not really. Um, just I mean, I've lived in so many places when I I move somewhere new. It's yeah. almost like I just I fit right in. Because... Nothing phases you anymore is what you're <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. I got you. <laughs> You know, everyone down here is just as nice as everyone up there. That's, that's true. That's, that's, that's kind of how true. I look at it. People are nice everywhere, but I've noticed that, and this is what I, one of the things I love about living in Tennessee, is people are genuinely nice and interested in what you have going on, even mm. complete strangers. 
Yeah. You know, like you, you except the drivers, <laughs> the drivers. Well, the driving is interesting. And I think that has to do with the driver's ed that they have here. I don't know if it's as, if it's as in depth as the driver's ed that we're all used to. But no, people are generally really nice down here. Yeah, for and that's sure. what I love. For sure, uh, especially the running community. Uh, I think Tennessee has got one of the best running communities there are. Like, I could hit a group run five days a week, and there could be ten to fifty people at those group runs. I've, oh yeah, I've never, I've never lived anywhere else in the country where there's something as consistent as that. Especially where you are in Nashville, there really is a great running scene in Nashville. There's they get the dirt bags down. There's a bunch of bunch of groups down there, so. Uh, another great one is Chattanooga, actually. That's a yeah. pretty pretty well-known running community. Yep. All of that, we're welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, your running story. Were you always a runner, or is this something you picked up later in life? Uh, man, I've, I've always been an athlete. Um, yeah. People always ask me, uh, when did you start running? I guess, like, the first official running I did was probably in eighth grade when I did cross-country, but... I like to tell people that ultra running is really kind of a combination of every sport I've ever done. So, I mean, I started Little League when I was six years old. Yeah. I played soccer, played basketball, you name it, I, I played it. Like, where I grew up, there wasn't much to do other than be outside playing yeah. sports. So, that's kind of where I think my uh, running really began, playing those, you know, small little sports in the small community. Um, yeah, I ran uh, cross-country and track in high school, ran at a small uh, school in uh, Pennsylvania for college. The same school that past guests, guests Ryan Clifford ran at. Yes, uh, Ma Mansfield University of Pennsylvania, <laughs> so, developing the best ultra runners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's rare that we have two guests from a small yeah. school. Yeah, it was really cool uh, seeing that episode or listening to that episode that you put out. And I mean, I've never met Ryan before. Yeah. We've had some interactions yeah. on uh, Strava. Right. But uh, just uh, the coincidence of both of us being on the same podcast, like what, two, three weeks apart was really interesting <laughs> to see. So you go to college to run cross country. Yes. So you must have excelled, of all the sports you played, because you, you sound like quite the athlete, that must have been the one you really excelled at, especially when you got to high school. Yeah, for sure. Cross country's kind of always been my thing. I was decent at track, um, but my better races were always on the cross country courses. And, you know, just being in the woods, uh, growing up a lot, it, it always was just something that spoke to me. One thing that we're dealing with here, Joe, is my son is running cross country for college. And just the change in relationship that you have with the sport going from high school cross country or middle school cross country to college cross country. Your relationship with running changes completely when you sign on the dotted line to go run cross country for college, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I don't know how big of a community he ran in in high school, but mm -hmm. I could remember, you know, in, in high school, just going to meets and, you know, I'd finish top five and like pretty much every meet I'd, I'd go to. Yeah. Then you go to 
called it cross country meet. You you're like get fin- smoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're finishing like what happened? 150th. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> I've got stories where I was on the track getting lapped in the 10K four laps in my freshman year. And I'm like, what is this? You know? Well, it's so funny because just the the, the maturity of, of men when they get into college, mm-hmm. there are still there's still some growing to do. And especially if you're a freshman, you go to any college, and I talked about this with Becca Joyner on, the, on one of the podcasts about when you go to a college, the, the, the women are all grown. They're all, they've all hit their growth spurt. Mm-hmm. They're all matured. They all look like young women. The men on a college campus look like middle schoolers or 35-year-olds. That is, <laughs> that is <laughs> no in between. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're, you're, a, you're a freshman, Joe. Yeah, when I, when I was a freshman, I was about 100 pounds soaking wet. So you know what, <laughs> what mold I fit into that scale. You were the middle schooler, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saying, Sir, are you a student here? <laughs> yes. The middle school race is not until next week. No, I'm no, here no, for, yeah. for college. But, but two, the, the training is different. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it for high school, it's volunteers a lot of times, or it's one of the coaches at the school, and they'll have you do some things. You know, like mm-hmm. you'll learn some things about speed work or, or whatever. But college, the workouts and just the the way to approach running completely changes, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, every coach has got their typical workout schedule based on either volume or number of workouts a week. So you go from unstructured training in high school and having a good time to almost like this is a part-time job. Yeah. But a little, I mean, little more science yeah. involved at the college <laughs> yeah. level. Right. right. But I mean, if you get in a good program with a good coach, uh, they could teach you a lot and let you grow as an athlete and a person. And, uh, when I look back at my college selection, I I, uh, I have no regrets. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I benefited a lot yeah. out of my college experience. I, I definitely learned a lot, but uh, when I speak to younger younger uh, athletes looking for colleges now, I, I always tell them, make sure you find the college where you could have a good relationship with your coach. Because if you don't have a good relationship with your coach and you don't understand the workouts while you're doing them and you're not learning through the experience, you're gonna have trouble succeeding. You need to be able to be with someone that wants you to grow and learn, not someone that's just gonna give you a cookie cutter piece of paper and this is what's worked in the past for my other athletes, this is what's gonna work for you. And the dog is hungry, everybody. We have to pause the <laughs> podcast real quick so I can give the dog a scoop of food. This is real life. How about I do that? Do you want to handle I'll that? Do that. <laughs> okay, Jeff is going to give the dog a scoop of food. You'll hear that in the background. We probably should have done that before we started recording. But no, and so, yeah, I mean, it's they are invested in you. And in a mm. college coach, it's different than the high school coach. Not that the high school coach is not invested in you, mm-hmm. but that is their job. Yes. The college coach's job is to train you, to, to run as fast as you possibly can, to see where you're at. When yep. you show up, when you when little Joe shows up and he looks like a middle schooler, <laughs> he's going to have to get you through those four years when you turn into, a, when you're a man and make you a, a better runner. You probably learned a lot about what it takes to become a faster runner, what workouts you need and what your body responded to during that time, didn't you? Oh, for sure. Um, I definitely, it's interesting you had uh, Ryan on because uh, this shows how well of a coach my college coach was. Um, Ryan's a high volume guy and he talked about, uh, you know, how in college he was running a hundred miles. And uh, I look back at 
my college career, I don't think I had a mi- uh, mileage week over 60 miles. Right. So it's cool seeing that how a coach could adapt to different types of athletes to right. build athletes in, in different different ways. Knowing that Ryan Clifford is a guy who maybe could handle over 100 miles yeah. a week, where Joe Jude is a you know, 50, 60 yeah. mile yeah. runner during, high, during college. Exactly. So I, I gave the dog a, a scoop and, yeah. and, and she said, thank you. You know, he never feeds me, <laughs> that's ever. That dog is ever. so spoiled. That is so untrue. That is the most spoiled dog on planet Earth. Uh, but anyway, so Joe, you, you, okay, college ends. Do you continue running when college is over? Or do you... So uh, when college ended, uh, I kind of got out of running for a little bit, you know. Um, believe it or not. Not unusual. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of became a gym rat. Like, you know, go to work and then after work, uh, go to the gym, lift some weights, do some cardio. Got into that about... I guess for two years and then like one day it's like 98 degrees out and I'm in like a gym with flickering lights I'm looking outside like what the heck am I doing in here like why am I not out there (laughs) so then I bought a road bike Um, I was living in upstate New York Mm -hmm. and I I bought a road bike and I really got into uh, road biking for about two three years Mm -hmm. because where I was living you know you could run now she needs water (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. For God's sake. <laughs> this is going to be a bad review for this. Rich Roll never has to feed and water his dog halfway through a podcast. Jeez, the things I do. I you, never, you never hear Trail Runner Nation taking a break to, to give the dog some water. <laughs> That's enough. There you go. All right. All right. <laughs> you know what, John? Pee in all that. <laughs> like that old man syndrome. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so, I think I think the dog is finally settled. I think we should be good. I, I don't know. She I might know, want a Scooby snack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to say dessert. <laughs> so, so where were we before the dog interrupted? No, oh, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're the gym yeah. right. So you bought the bike. Yeah, so I got into a road bike, and, and I loved that. Um, where I was living at the time, you know, you could ride 40 to 100 miles and maybe see two or three cars. Yeah. You know, climbs all over. I was, I was near the Catskills, like... I think that's what's oh, beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah, and the roads over there for road biking are like the mecca of of the United yeah. States in my opinion. But uh then like, you know, uh I kinda got sick of that and uh, I got into hiking. I was hiking some high peaks in the area, mm-hmm. um, had a little bit of a, a medical scare and uh that's kinda what got me uh back into running. So how old were you when you had the medical scare? Um, gosh, I was like 27 or 28. Um, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Uh, people probably like when I say this, like it's hard that like for people to comprehend, but like there's like a six month period in my life where like I couldn't do nothing because I was in so much pain with my back. Like I couldn't go out for a walk. I couldn't ride the bike, bouncing around doctors, physical therapists, and like no one could figure out what was going on. And, uh, Finally, you know, found someone that figured out what was going on, uh, and we made some changes, like uh, diet changes, uh, on medications, things kind of turned around, and uh, one of the things they said that's best for the condition I have is movement. And I mean, when they told me that, they probably didn't think I was going to come an ultra runner. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, "Well, movement, I could do that. Let's let's see how much. Well, let's I, move. Yeah, let's see how much I can move. Yeah." But it is when you're 27 years old, 
and Jeff, you can attest. I know it was a long time ago. It was a few days ago. Yeah, but I mean, you're you you feel like you're immortal at that mm-hmm. point in your life, right? I mean, especially as a man, you're like, ah, I'm gonna live forever. I'm yeah. 27 years old. I can do anything. And to get the doctor to say, like, listen, you got some serious problems at 27. That had to be pretty jarring for you at mm-hmm. that point in your life. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I uh, I had no clue where I was gonna go from there. Um, you know, looking back though, there was like a couple of things within the week I was diagnosed. I always, I always kind of think about like that happened, which kind of motivated me. So one thing was uh, I watched a, uh, I watched a YouTube video. I don't know if you guys know Brian Morrison, the yeah, Western State yeah, story. Yeah. So that was my first ultra video I ever watched, and like. I watched that and I was like, oh, I'm gonna run a hundred miles. Like that started to spark. Mm. And then literally the next day, uh, my brother who was born with a heart disease and uh, legally blind, who wasn't in sports his whole life, uh, finally got permission by like doctors that he was able to exercise. And he called me up and he was like, I'm gonna run my first uh, 5K in October. And I was like, well, shit, if he's going to run a 5K, I better get my butt moving. <laughs> right. Get going here. Yeah. right. I was like, this is all happening for a reason. And yeah. uh, till this day, uh, in my apartment, I have my log hanging on the wall from the first week back of running. So, like, I could show people, like, where I started and how far I came. And my running log that week is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I walked two miles and then at the bottom I have total six miles total. Yeah. So like I, I look at that a lot and I uh, just think about where where I've been and like where I think I'm gonna, gonna go in the future. Boy, to go from six miles in one week to 200 miles in frozen <laughs> in five days. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that is quite a change. What, what for you, you get started, what was your first ultra marathon? So my first race back was actually a road race. Um, Rochester Winter Warrior in New York. It was a half marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what I ran. Are you time-wise? Yeah. We weren't uh, going to ask it yeah, time. Yeah. But, <laughs> People are going to look it up right now. But Joe like, Jude, how many half marathon? I think you it know. was 112. That, that, that like, uh, rings a bell. Holy shit. And, like, like I had a day, like, uh, I don't know if that was my PR for the half, but I just had a day, and I was like, okay, like, the ball is rolling. And then, uh, that so that was in December, and that's kind of when I was like, I want to get into trail racing, and... Uh, I started like looking online. Uh, first time I've ever been on ultra sign up stuff like yeah. that, and I found it all went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. like, it always does. And then he fell into a bad crowd. Oh, next geez. thing you know, the abyss is open. <laughs> <laughs> but I found the the Beast series in uh, yes. Virginia. Yes, uh, uh, Dave Horton and Clark Zlander, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I did Terrapin Mountain. Uh, that mm-hmm. was my first ultra. But when I found that, I, uh, I originally signed up for the half. Or the, they had a half marathon and a 50K. And like a month after signing up, I was like, well, no one's really doing the half. Like, <laughs> I, I could probably do that. <laughs> I was like, I better get in the, the 50K. I've never ran a marathon before. And I was like, you know, like I've done the half, like I've done a couple 20 milers. If I get to like the marathon and have to walk it in, I'm 
whatever. Right. Let's right. see what happens. So I go out there like, I know nothing about nutrition. I know nothing about trail running. <laughs> well, because your last race was a road marathon <laughs> yeah. where they had goo and, and Gatorade yeah. for you every two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, like, uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't even, uh, I didn't, what was I gonna say? I didn't even run on trail before that race. I ran all on road oh boy. B- before a fi- oh boy. 50K, 7,000 feet. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like looking at past results and I'm like, well, if I could run seven minutes on the road per yeah. mile, I could run 10 minutes on the road, <laughs> on the trail per mile. That's gonna convert. That is always the kiss yeah. of death, yeah. always. I, I remember our, our friend, Kyle Curtin, when oh, he yeah. ran his first 100-mile ultramarathon. Oh, and he's Lord. a guy who runs, you know, a 245 marathon. And he's like, he looked at the winning time for the race, and he was like, 14-minute miles? What That's, type of shit is that? Yeah. He's it's like, I'm going to set a new course record. And, of course, we blew up that first time. Of course, he figured it out later on in life. But did you did you have a fun time? I had a good day. Um, I got lucky. Um, so... I had kind of times I, I wanted to hit throughout the course. Yeah. And I think there's like a seven mile climb to start. And like I hit that time and then I caught a guy at nine miles, which was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Uh, his name's Will Wideman. I'll remember him till this day. <laughs> I caught him at nine miles and from nine miles to 20 miles, he taught me everything he knew about oh my. ultra running. <laughs> Yeah, like he had done UTMB twice. Uh, he's done like 50 ultras. So like I'm 15 miles in and he's teaching me about nutrition and I'm, he's telling me how many calories like you should have per hour. I'm like, well, I guess I should start eating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was saving the, I was saving Where's the, those chips? Yeah, I was saving the blocks and the granola bars <laughs> till I bonked at 25 miles. <laughs> because that's what marathoners do. You got, you got nature's valley granola bars in your pouch you know those ones you open them it's a bag of crumbs yeah that's what you're carrying around some shop blocks yeah you just tell me what to pick up at aid stations and stuff i'm like this is perfect these are things you should have had figured out before you got to the start line it's a good thing you weren't running with a liver king (laughs) (laughs) here eat this liver (laughs) so how amazing that all of these things fall in place for you, right? Mm. You start running because of the scare. Your brother calls you and it's like, hey, I've never, he's never been able to exercise in his life. He said heart issues and now he can exercise, wants to do a 5K. So you're in the game. Yeah. And then you do this first 50K, not knowing a thing what you're doing. You probably had your road shoes on. Oh, or did you get some trail shoes? I'm Were you wearing those no, new balances? I, no, no, I had I had trail trail shoes on. Okay, yeah, so at least you got yeah. that right. Yeah, I think it was like the first time I wore them. He, he had his Converse on. <laughs> he had his fresh out of the box Cascadias. Right. That's yeah. what he had because that's what Scott Jurek wears. So and you encounter this guy who's just like in any yeah. road race. You got a guy with headphones on, and you say like, "Hey, what do I eat here?" Fuck you! <laughs> yeah. But this guy right. took you under his wing mid-race mm-hmm. and broke down. This is how you do ultras while you were doing it. You got a crash course. Yeah, and it was just an unbelievable experience because, like, I was just thinking, I was like, "This is kind of strange." Like, I'm talking to someone like as I race. I've yeah, I've never done this before. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. Normally I can't talk. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. What an amazing experience and what a way to be welcomed into a community. Mm-hmm. How can you not love a community 
after your first experience with that community is yeah. so giving and so mm-hmm. loving. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, at that, at that point, I was hooked. I was like, this is it. This is where I want to be. And this, I mean, it's still where I am today, you know? How'd you finish that first 50K? Uh, I finished fifth. I ran up. Fifth? 4.45. Four, okay. There's kind of a habit that I have, and, and people have picked up on this and have emailed me about it. <laughs> Anytime someone does really well on their first ultra, I always say the same thing. God, I hate you. Everybody hates you. <laughs> you right suck. Now. People are listening right now going, God damn it. I will tell you, I had like the biggest bonk like till this day at the the 25 mile mark in that race because I thought I was... D- I thought I was done climbing and I just like attacked the downhill and I was like, I'm done climbing. And I hit the last climb of the race and it was just brutal. (laughs) I think I took like, (laughs) I think I took like 1500 calories in in a half mile on that climb. You know, I I particularly enjoy when you get to that, like that last aid station or something and they say, oh, there's no more climbs. You're good. You should run right in. And there's eight more climbs. You're like, Never believe an aid station no. worker when they say there's no more climbs. You're yeah. doing good. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's amazing, though. The first, yeah. I mean, for your first race to finish four and a half hours, roughly, mm-hmm. fifth place at a big race, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't realize how good it was at at that time. Like, uh, But, yeah, that, that definitely jump-started the the running career with the ultra stuff. So first hundred miler, remember that one? Yeah. Um, so let me think. Spoiler alert, you ran that in 15 hours, everybody. So 2019 was my first year of ultra running. And then 2020, I wanted to do the full beast series, which yeah. was, uh, which is 350 Ks, a hundred, the grindstone. And right. then I think 250 milers. COVID hits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that series kind of falls apart. Um, so I sign up in 2020 for the Cloud Splitter 100K and a month before I switched to the 100 and I knocked that one out of the park. Lightning in a bottle. I run, I think, 20 and a half hours. 20 and a half hours of Cloud Splitter? Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So. That's, yeah, that, that's probably one of my best, I guess, on paper races that I've ever done. Um, yeah. What was it? What, what do you think you, what do you think you did right in that race? Oh gosh. Was your training just perfect or? <laughs> I got to think I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That does happen. You know, that race was interesting. Um, so I told myself that I wanted to, like all races, I wanted to go out conservative. Um, so I get out, um, I'm climbing up to a high knob. I'm like five miles in. I take a wrong turn. Yeah. I uh, go off course half mile. And like, you know, I'm out of breath. I'm nervous. And I uh, get back on course. I run about a mile. I fall, have a water bottle in my hand, bottle smashes. Yeah. So at that point, I'm just like stressed out. And I just tell myself, you know what? Like, this is a sign. Like, you need to slow down and relax. So the next like 30 miles, I just go into relax mode, have fun with it. You're not here to run fast. You're here to run your first hundred and finish. And then like, I think around 38 miles, I caught the leader and we yo-yoed back and forth till the 50 mile mark. 
and at the 50 mile mark he he sat down he had a huge crew there um his crew kind of became my crew because I didn't bring a crew. <laughs> so, By the grace of God with all these things, Joe, it's crazy. So uh, he sat down and uh, for some reason, I never run with music, but that day I put music in at the mile 50 mark. And like from 50 to 70, I don't remember. It was like, I was just on just fire. Just gone. Just gone yeah. on fire. And the 70 mile mark was where I had my biggest aid station of the day planned. And I kind of woke up there because it was bad planning on my part, but I planned it at the top of High Knob. And when I got there, I came from down in the valley uh, on the Chief uh, Benji Trail to High Knob. It was like 25 degrees and I had a shirt and a t-shirt on <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, throw your jacket on. You're not staying here long. Get down the mountain where it's warm. Yeah. And the whole time, uh, so the guy that took second uh, as a stellar runner, I was just like, he's gonna, he's gonna catch me. Matter of fact, I think he finished top five at Leadville this year, but the whole, the whole time I'm like, he's coming back, he's coming back. Even to like the last half mile I got into town, I was like, this isn't happening. And I get into town and I come into the uh, garage, y'all call it. Yeah. And the garage was also, I think the 80 mile checkpoint. I come in, I tell them my number, I sit down and no one realizes that I had finished. Oh, they thought you were there for 80, <laughs> 80, 80 mile checkpoints. So I sit down <laughs> and I'm like, oh. It's so, Where's the love? Yeah, right. no, no, I'm like, this is great. I don't want to talk to anyone right now. I just, just, I just, I just want to sit next to this space heater. And then like people are like, what are your number? We can't find you on the sheet. And then someone finally realizes that I finished. And they're like, oh, that's the winner. And everyone starts going crazy. Holy. You You're gotta love going, it. You're sitting there going like, I just won a 100 mile ultra marathon and nobody cares. And then they realize like, oh God, that's not 80 mile checkpoint. That's the guy who's the winner, right? They're like, can you go back and run the last uh, 100 meters again? We want to just restage this for the photos. Yeah. No, but I, I actually thought it was pretty cool that that happened because it gave yeah. me time. It gave me five minutes just to think about like what had happened over the last 20 hours yeah. and like look back and like kind of like respect the effort that I had done like just with myself. And yeah. then, then like when people started coming over, I had like something to say to them rather, right. than, rather than like, I need to sit down, <laughs> don't, don't bother me. <clears throat> so many times though, a, a finish line at an ultra marathon, especially a hundred miler or even a 200 miler. There's nobody there. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's early in the climactic, race, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see that, you see that, uh, you know, when, um, when Elude uh, Kachoge set the new marathon world record, he's in Berlin. There are people screaming the entire time. Mm -hmm. He's running to the finish line. Ah, people are all crazy. Oh, it's a big thing. You you could set a no. you could set a course record, a cloud splitter, <laughs> and nobody would. It's like no there's two people there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you come in. They go. Are are you hiking? Are you done? No, I'm oh, running away. Okay, <laughs> so it's a completely different way of of looking at a finish line. But you needed that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Figure oh, things wow. out. All right, you're wearing a frozen head hat. Yeah, it's got mm -hmm. the uh, the longitude and latitude of Frozen Head State Park on it. It's got the legendary gate on it. When did Frozen Head first come into your radar? Oh, let me think about this. So Frozen Head started the year of Cloud Splitter. Um, as I was training for Cloud Splitter, uh, I wanted to do like my own Beast series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
I did the first race of the Beast Series, um, yeah. Holiday Lake, and then ter yeah. Terrapin was canceled. And uh, I decided on the days of those races, I was gonna go out to Percy Warner and just do a 50K. Do the red, white, and blue route. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 50K yeah. on yeah. my own on those days. That's what the season's gonna become. And uh, so I guess I'll call it the second race of my Beast Series. I was out there uh, doing a 50K. Running into Taylor Swift as she's hiking, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> on Percy Warner. <laughs> Uh, but no, I ran into, I was, I decided like at the 50K mark, cause I was f like five miles from my car or something. I was going to try and do like 35 or 36 yeah, instead. I sure. was like, why, why not do why not? more? Right. See what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I ran into a group of, uh, guys and they, uh, kind of like, what are you doing today? Cause we were hiking together. I told them and, uh, they thought it was great. They kind of dared me to go 40 miles that day. So I was like, all right, um, might as well. Might as well. Right. But uh, they're like asking where I was from. I told them the Northeast and they're like, do you ever hear Frozen Head? And uh, at that point, like I had seen the documentary like maybe three years ago. I was like, no, not really. And then they told me about the Barkley. I was like, okay, yeah, I remember. Um, so they uh, they kind of introduced me into uh, going on out there and uh, I kind of made that my training ground for Cloud Splitter. Uh, first time I went out there, I had the typical experience, you know, got out there uh, around uh, Garden Spot. Hey, holy crap. Yep, yeah, got out there Garden Spot, uh, got lost, ended up uh, getting really dehydrated. It was like 95 mm -hmm. degrees that day. Uh, took the walk of shame down uh, south old mac that day and cursing the park you know i get in my car two minutes out of the park i was like oh this is it lived up to the hype i'll be back next <laughs> week <Right. laughs> i found home <laughs> you know frozen head state park and and if, if laz is remembered for nothing else which he'll be remembered for lots of things the fact that he shined a light on an incredible place yeah you know i mean frozen head state park is this magical place take the barkley out of it it's a, this, most of us yeah. listening to this will never participate park. in that race yeah. yeah it is such a rugged beautiful wild space yeah that yes. even if just doing the challenge loop is is an adventure mm -hmm. you know hitting those different parts of the park is an adventure and i think people that are even not connected to ultra i remember my, my brother during covid my brother was doing a camping trip and one of his parks got closed and i said well, well you're three hours from frozen head i'll meet you at frozen head mm. he went camping he's not an ultra runner and he's like this is a magical place like he didn't see the documentaries yeah. he didn't he buy he wasn't into the hype he didn't he doesn't know if laz was sitting next to him he wouldn't know who that is mm -hmm. but he was at frozen head and he was like this this pl this place is incredible. This is amazing, Jeff. I know you're a, you're a Frozen Head fan as well. Oh yeah, love it, love that park. What is it about? What is it about the park? Do you think? I, I think it's just when you go there, you, more often than not, you're you're by yourself. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's you, it. You might. I mean, I've been there uh, in the winter in particular because I, I don't want to get cold. Uh, you go out and run the challenge loop, or just go hiking around, whatever. You're lucky if you see one person. Mm -hmm. Even and with, and I, even with and all I, the, the I love area. that aspect of the remoteness of it and just knowing where you're at in the park all the time and it's just, it's a lot of fun. And that one person that you run into, for some reason every time, there's like an instant connection sure. of mm -hmm. like friendship that like you yeah. never, never forget. It is, it's, it's so cool and it's just, 
you know, had those documentaries never happened, if Barkley didn't mm-hmm. exist, I wonder if people would go there because you literally have to drive past a maximum security prison to get there. <laughs> the new one. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when you drove in the first time, Joe, were you like, You're like is this the right road? <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I, in the, am I in the right place? There's a maximum security. I was security like, I thought that place was a lot of razor wire. Why, like, why do they have razor wire around the park? Right, I don't razor know. wires and rifles. What's going on here? But it is such a, such a magical place. And you start, you did that first loop there and, and, and Frozen Head basically yeah. gave you a reality check. Yeah, so I, um, after that, I just started going out there uh, training for Cloud Splitter. Um, I think that was one of the biggest reasons that I did so well at Cloud mm-hmm. Splitter. Yeah. The elevation. Without a doubt. The elevation uh, kind of matched what that course was. Then uh, then in uh, 2020, uh, 2021, I started going out a little more often. Um, but... Uh, 2021 probably is, I don't want to, I guess I'll say it, it is my worst ultra running season. Um, I think uh, I got away from what I really loved to do and was worrying about mm-hmm. other things I shouldn't have, shouldn't have been. You know, you get caught up in times, comparing yourself yep. to other people. And, uh, you know, I just had a terrible season. And uh, after a DNF in 2021, I found a, uh, a running mentor that really brought me back to where I want it to be with running, uh, both in the community and just in the goals that I was setting. And one of the biggest things was uh, she forced me to go back out to Frozen Head. And uh, I just, you know, found this connection with the park and uh, just loved being out there running. And it's being able to do something, you know, you love and knowing you want to do really, really helps what you, what you're going to do as a runner. Those goals come much easier to you when you're actually working on something you care about. Mm-hmm. I would think that the early success that you had, I mean, you show up to a 50K and you don't even know what you're doing and you, mm-hmm. you, you finish in four and a half hours and you, and you finish fifth overall. I mean, and then to run your first hundred and win that thing. Mm-hmm. You probably had to be like, you know what? I am pretty damn good at this. Yeah. I don't know why Trailrunner do Magazine. With this. <laughs> why is I run far? Why haven't they called me about an interview? And then, I mean, that's the way the sport happens. You get, mm-hmm. you got lucky on those first couple ones. Yep. Things went right, and then you hadn't experienced things going wrong until 2021. And then yep. things started going wrong, and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, like I wish I learned uh, a lot of what I learned in 2021 a lot sooner in uh, in life in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like they say, the comparison to others is the thief of joy. Yes, like uh, that just resonates as well as uh, just like uh, simple things. Um, enjoying the process to me has definitely been huge. The process is almost more important than than the outcome. You know, the outcome's kind kind of just just a little bit of a reward, but we all know when you get to that outcome, you're gonna be moving past that and trying something yeah. new mm-hmm. new and bigger. So just staying in the staying in the moment, winning, you know, as many inches a day as possible to improve yourself both in running and life, like that's gonna get myself and others farther than worrying about, you know, these fast times or winning big races so so frozen head state park yes how well do you know the trails are have you run pretty much on 
all the trails or do you mainly run and train perimeter trails so if you blindfolded me i could probably draw the park map on the wall yeah yeah okay yeah, I, no i get it he's a park nerd too i understand both of you could no, i understand no uh no my favorite trail in the park is spicewood um and then my favorite spot in the park is the pond at the top of Roz Gap. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, the square one, the rectangular shaped one up there, yeah. 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 But yeah, um, I try and, try and run on all of them. Uh, I I tend to uh, spend a lot of time on Northbird. I mm-hmm. kind of call Northbird my second home. Yeah, I, just, I use that for, uh, I'll start at, at the gate typically and I'll do one of two things. I'll either go up Bird and down to Phillips Creek and just do repeats, or I'll go up Bird, down Bird, and then all the way up to Garden Spot and back. Yeah. That though that section of the park is probably some of the best training you can get on that particular trail. Yeah, that is that is definitely my favorite spot to train to. Yeah, yeah. it's it's good stuff. Spicewood is spice spices woods. Spicewood is uh, <laughs> it's it's good, but you know what? I don't think I've ever actually run up Spicewood. I've always gone down for some reason. I don't know why. Well, it's time to fix that. <laughs> well, no. Here's why. Here's why I think. Uh, have you run Barkley Fall Classic yet? I have not. Okay. No. In years past, they used to go uh, the final 10, 11 mile loop section of the. 50k in quotes <laughs> was uh, a lot of times you'd end up going down Spicewood towards the end of the race. I think that's why because you're always going down it for some reason. But yeah, it's like, a pretty trail. Yeah, that's that's why I like it. Um, I like when it rains like a day or two before going on that trail because it turns into a stream. Yeah, you're running in the stream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 my favorite. No, my favorite is uh, probably running out there in the winter time. It's my favorite time. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's eerily quiet. Once you get up, especially on bird. if you can swing it, go during a weekday. You you will not see anybody out, and they won't find Nobody. your body. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you trip and fall, they won't find your body for a very long time. Back one minute before we get into the your big push. Yes. Um, what was it? What were some of the things that your mentor? You can you can name, yeah. name drop your mentor. Who's yeah? Who? So uh, I call my coach a running mentor mm-hmm. because I think she does more than coaching for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, she she motivates uh she educates she tr- does my uh, training so she's yeah. not, she's not just a coach but uh her name's nicole rasmussen uh she works out of uh logan logan utah okay um but yeah she's my running mentor and um uh one of the biggest things she did for me early in january of this year was when i started working with her i was all about like workouts are we gonna do how fast am i gonna run them right she's she was like now um first off you're gonna go to group runs on uh tuesday and thursday and you're gonna start learning about the people around you and i was like how is that gonna make me faster you have to be sitting there going like i'm paying this woman yeah to yeah. tell me to go she's told me to run local with <laughs> <laughs> and wow. you know That's... And, and you know what it worked magic uh like one of the biggest motivating things i had uh when I was out doing my big run at Frozen Head, that 200 or stories of stories of runs I shared with people this past year. Yeah. Um, 
one of like one thing I thought about was uh, individuals tell me about chasing cutoffs, how every time he signs up for a race, he has to chase cutoffs. And yeah. I've never experienced that. When I'm out there, you know, there's park hours and it's the first time I'm ever chasing cutoffs. Right. And I'm thinking about him and I'm like, man, like he's got some courage and mental toughness to know that every time he signs up for an ultra, he's gonna be chasing a cutoff. He may, yeah. have, he may have one mistake, that's it. Right. And like stuff like that, like just, you know, kind of put gas on the fire for me and, and motivated me learning about others, you know, goals, their achievements. So that was definitely a big push that uh, she helped me with. And then uh, just out, the outcome thing, she, she kind of moved me away from thinking about the outcomes and worrying about the process. And that's kind of where uh, the the washing the dishes titles came in for my 200. I uh, read a couple books and uh, they always talk about just staying in the moment, getting the task done. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with the task, move on to the next one. If like you have a difficult task or you're in a rough spot, worry about that. Like. You, you got to run 199 miles perfect to run 200, 200. You can't. Right. So I uh, just, just uh, preaching that I need to stay focused on what I'm doing right now was a big part of this season, what she helped me with. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, I went out for a workout and I was doing four by 12 tempo. Yeah. Not an easy workout. And right. like, I'm talking to her on the phone before I go out to do it. And like, I had kind of forgot about it and uh, we're on the phone and she's like, oh, you only got four by 12 today. And she says that and I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and like, that's kind of where the whole season turned around though because she, was, she said to me, she's like, just worry about running 12 minutes. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, then take a break and worry about running 12 minutes again. And in the back of my head, I made the connection with that. <laughs> Washing the dishes yeah. from yeah. the books I read it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's what these guys are talking about. Right. And like, just turn my whole year around. Going back one second to the beauty of what she told you about going to group runs. Mm-hmm. You were isolated. Yep. You were living in this world of of luck. I mean, yeah. and that's not mm-hmm. to insult what you no, did, but I totally agree. You know, and 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 not absorbing those stories. And she connected you to the community. Mm-hmm. How amazing is that? It's like she knew that these stories, these interactions, these mm-hmm. relationships you would build would help grow your relationship with running. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, a lot of it is relationships. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you could only do so much on your own, but there is a joy and a magic in group runs and just doing something and having fun together doing that thing. Yeah, for sure. And most people be like, oh, my coach told me to go to group runs. What an idiot, what? But it's so genius, it's, yes. it's beautiful. It's so, so simple, yes. but. You know, it pays all those, all those little small things, the smaller the detail, the greater the value. They all add up. So let's talk about 200 miles of frozen head. When did you decide that you wanted to do a double Barkley challenge loop, essentially, <laughs> a day, every day for five, five days? days? Oh, gosh. I, I've been trying to figure out the answer to that one for, for a I while. Mean, what, 
Something um, had a spree, like, well. So it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, uh, finding something you do that you care about. Um, I was actually registered for Whistler Alpine Meadows mm-hmm. the same weekend I did the 200 out at Frozen Head. And, um, that's Gary's it, race, right? Yeah. Yep, that's Gary's race. And um, about, about two months out, uh, I started to feel like I did last year. I didn't care about the race. Yeah. Um, there's no purpose. And then like my coach could feel it or my mentor and like we're talking about it and she's like, well, what do you wanna do? And I was like, what do I care about? And like, I was like, let me think, let me sleep on this. And I was like, maybe I'll do a hundred out at, out at Frozen Head. And I'm like, well, I know I could do a hundred because it's gonna take, take me three days. Like I've done 120 hours. Right. Like what else could I do? And then I'm like, oh boy, like <laughs> might, as well, <laughs> might as well go for 200. And like, that's kind of how I thought of it. And I called her up and I was like, this is what I want to do. And I think she was a little caught like, off going. What? <laughs> Have you been smoking? <laughs> right, right, right. And like after five minutes, she's like, you know what? Let's do it. Let, let's adjust and we could do this. And that's, that's kind of how it went down. So... You're doing a double challenge loop five days straight. I think it's important for folks to realize, give them in a nutshell what one challenge loop equates to mileage-wise and climb-wise, roughly. I think it's like 20 and a half and about 6,500 yep. feet. Um, yeah. Concur. That's yes. that's about spot on. It just depends on your watch on the day, but yeah. it all <laughs> exactly. plus or minus 0.5 and a couple hundred feet. Doing one. Is, is, is enough. We're doing one challenge loop and you're like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. They even sell t-shirts now in the gift shop for really? challenge loops. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you feel pretty good. You feel pretty good about that. But having to do two every, or did you decide to do the challenge loop or were you just going to go out there for mileage each day? No. So I decided to do uh, double challenge loops okay. and uh, I wanted to do a double challenge loop in every direction. Okay. So there's four different directions and then on the last day just... Pick, pick another direction. Gotcha. So, okay, that makes sense. Um, so, uh, like, did you, you had to you basically had to camp there, I would think. Yeah. So I stayed in a big cove. I think Big Cove is one of the nicest campsites yeah. there is. You know, yeah. you even got a hot shower. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, camped by myself the entire week. Um, I think there were there was one other group of people camping the entire week, and it was kind of fun because. They were there for the fall classic the following weekend. Yeah. And around day two, they realized what I was doing. Yeah. So like every morning when I was waking up, they were like waking up, making sure I was getting ready, yeah. seeing how I was feeling. When I'd run by, they'd be cheering yeah. me on. Did you get your nutrition in? Did you get your hydration? <laughs> how set? how yeah. you feeling? So that, that yeah. was pretty fun. Day one. Day one was the worst day. Um I've had the best loop, loop one, um, came down off a chimney top, hit my car. Um, there was a temperature change of like 20 degrees mm. and then the humidity hit. I had something to eat. And for miles 20 to 30, I had the biggest bonk of the whole week. 
and I get out to garden spot and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, dying. <laughs> I, got, I got four more days of shit. Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to put together like, what did I do wrong? What should I do better the rest of the week? Did I eat something I didn't like? Was it just the temperature? So I finished day one and I, I text my mentor and I'm like, this is what happened. Did I go out too fast? She kind of runs through the data and stuff and she's like, you're spot on, just figure it out, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. So uh, day two, I, I go out there and uh, I hit the 20 mile mark again and uh, I kind of have a smaller bonk and mm -hmm. then I like realize like that that's what I'm gonna have to deal with the rest of the week. That's the hottest part of the day. I'm gonna have to strategize better. So days three, four, and five, that mileage from 20 to 30, I just told myself, I'm just gonna go super slow. I'm gonna eat a lot. I'm not gonna look at my watch at all. Just keep moving. Just keep moving, and then when I hit the last 10 miles, get that time back. And once I made that one small adjustment, it it was a world of difference. Did you notice at some point, was there a day when it became, your, your body just accepts like this is what I'm doing and it just kind of turned into routine? Um, so there's a couple moments like, like that. Um, I'll bet you had your times down. You could like, okay, I'm leaving here. I know I'll hit garden spot in about X hours. And then the, yep. the last half, in a clockwise direction, then the last half goes quicker. It's a, That part of the course is quicker going clockwise. And it's just the opposite way, the other way around. But it's kind of funny. You, yeah. you got all these benchmark times like, uh, okay, I'm about five minutes ahead. I'm doing good this time, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yep. Yeah, like the garden spot was that spot. Like, because every time I hit there, I was like, if I am doing terrible, I know like you'll I, know I could sprint from here and still make the cutoff because this is the eas easier section. Like yeah. there's a lot of yep. runnable stuff, so that was kind of like my bench park, like all week. Where am I at when I hit that garden spot? You talk about cutoffs. You were talking about grabbing that story from the per person you run with at the group yeah. runs about every marathon, every ultra he does, he's chasing cutoffs. You have to finish. You cannot be like you could. You didn't have all day to do these. Mm -hmm. You yeah. had to be back before yep. sundown, right? Seven. Yeah, it was seven. So yes. you, you had you had a time. You you could not be out there longer Hour than seven. Hour before sunset. Yeah. Yeah. That and was yeah. there a couple of days when you were getting darn close to hitting that? Um, I think day three was day three was the closest, but that was only because that was the first day I put the strategy into play for miles 20 to 30 yeah. to move slow. But even when I hit 30 miles, I knew I was close. Like I wasn't gonna be close to the cutoff. Right. I still knew I was gonna make it. So uh, there weren't many, many days where I thought, oh, I'm not gonna make it or yeah. like, but I knew I only had one mistake. Like I had one bonk every day. If I had a second one, I probably, I may not have, may not have made it. Right, and then you're, you're done. If you don't <laughs> make it, you're done. How did your body hold up to all this? Um, so I think there was only one rough night. Um, I think night two, it was either night two or three, I woke up and I had like a ton of aches and pains and like all my soft tissue. Yeah. And I, the first thought was like, like uh oh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, no, go back to bed. You're going to be fine in the morning. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, uh, that was that was probably the the most pain I had. 
Um, I thought I was de- developing some like IT band stuff like mm-hmm. around day three. So I threw some KT tape on it. I always say a great, great placebo effect. <laughs> no, no, I know there's science behind it, yeah. but like the second I put that on, like my head for some reason got off it. Um, but another thing that kind of helped was like every morning when I woke up, uh, you know, I was tired, I was sore. Like the first thing I did was tape my feet. And for some reason, after accomplishing taping my feet, it was like the day was completed. Like I achieved something like that small. I was like, okay, tape my feet, get up and eat, got up and eat. Now I ate, go to the bathroom, got that done get changed and like once i started knocking off load your vest up yeah little small things like that they just all all started like adding up and falling into place interesting and that was something you picked up after you lost the love for a while Mm -hmm. what book was it because you keep mentioning the book about do you remember what the book was so gosh doing the dishes so uh jesse itzler um living with a monk was where i where i first first heard that the dishes yeah yeah Yeah, exactly all right cool stuff doing the dishes all right so you keep on going it's day five yeah you've got 160 miles on your feet of frozen head miles which are not easy miles yeah how's that final day Day five was the easiest day. Um, you know, I had accountability all week. I had some people texting me like, hey, Saturday we're coming out. And I was like, yeah. You're like, I, was oh. like I was like, yeah, right, you're not coming out. <laughs> but every night, hey, how you doing? We're coming out. Yeah. And like, if I stopped at four, I would have had two loops in every direction. And I was like, oh, that'd be, that'd be a pretty cool goal. Right. But then like, they just kept, uh, kept the accountability going. And uh, so, Loop one, loop one, I ran with uh, Stephen and Lee. They're two fellas I, I met out there. Like like uh, Jeff said, you don't see many people out there. Yep. So when you run into the same two people three or four times. Stephen Kornos, right? Yes. It's Ultra Trail Stephen yep. yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. So uh, they ran loop one with me. And like all week, it was like 90 and humid. And the, and the last day, like... It was raining, and at one point I had to put my jacket on because I was cold. And I was like, "This is the best thing ever! <laughs> I'm loving this." <laughs> cold weather. No, it makes a huge yeah. difference in your mental game. Mm-hmm. So loop one, or one I ran with them, and this is probably the was my favorite part of the whole experience. So I ran loop one with Stephen and and Lee, and uh, coming down chimney in the, the clockwise direction about a half mile from my car steve and i are talking and we're just having a blast like i feel great we're laughing and uh coming up the other direction is my buddy uh brendan who had just ran utmb like a week ago yeah and he's hiking up and i see him and i'm like just caught off guard because i knew he was coming out to camp but i didn't think he'd be running so he he hooks on with us and i jokingly say to him like hey do you want to run like the final loop with me and without hesitation he's like yeah sure and i was like cool so we get down to my car and uh, when we get to my car, like my aid station, he's doing an aid station in his car because 
at this point, I don't think he planned on running the last. Right. <laughs> his his wife, who's holding their two month year old baby, is looking at him like, "What, what are you doing? <laughs> what are we gonna do?" Yeah. yeah, his wife went into labor in campsite six two months ago. Oh my out god! Out at frozen. Wow. So <laughs> this is all running through my head, and then out of the uh, gift shop bathroom comes. Uh, a kid uh, that I that lives in my apartment complex and his father who came out to run with me and uh, his son goes to uh, school out at uh, UT, hasn't run in two months. The longest he's ran is 13 miles on a Patriot loop with me. The, yeah. Oh boy. The previous Christmas and he's jumping in and he's going to do the last 20 with me. So we take off and then uh, his father and Brendan's wife, uh, who's got the two month year old baby yeah. go, we'll meet you at the tower. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Like I'm not the craziest one out here. Yeah. Like we, we've all got something going on. <laughs> that is so amazing. Wow. How it really does seem like, and I don't know if it's just because you're in tune to it or whatever, but it does seem like you're running life. There's so many times in this story that you've told us over the last hour of things just fall in place yeah. for you yeah. to make these things happen. That's just so, it's, it's so incredible. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know why it happens, but uh, yeah, definitely very fortunate that things like that happen for me. Do you have any aspirations to run uh, Barkley Fall Classic or or and or the Big Barkley? Um, yeah, I mean, why some, not? At some point, I do have to uh, jump in the Fall Classic, um, but yeah, if uh, the big ones would would be an awesome part of the process for not only running in life, like you know, um, I think. I think failure is a huge part of the process and mm -hmm. the failure percent of the Barkley, you know what it is. It's, we haven't had a winner in three years. Way high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like I would love not only to get out there and have a, a shot at learning about myself, but like I said, I've got a relationship with that park and I would mm -hmm. love to explore sections that I'm not allowed to explore right. right now. But even if you take that away, let's say you never get into Barkley, you yeah. don't do the, the fall classic, that park has become a part of you. That park is a part of your story. Definitely. Like if I never did either of them, I would have no regrets, um, nor would I. No regrets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like that, that park has like evolved my running career and has made me not only a better runner, but definitely a better person. Good Sweet. stuff. Good stuff, Joe. Sweet. What do you got? What do you got coming up? What's, what do you do now that you've done 200 miles at oh, Frozen at State Park? What do you do now? Uh, I'm still thinking about it. Um, this is the first time in a while I finished something that big and uh, haven't been totally banged up, bruised, mm -hmm. and had to take a lot of time off. So I'm kind of just in a down period right now. I know what he needs to do next. What's that? You want a, you want a real challenge? Go run Vol State or Hots. Ooh. That's it what everyone a says. special type of Everyone runner. says that, but it's like... If he's running at Frozen Head, he's gonna be miserable running on the side of the road. It's, so, so I've a, got a streak right it's now. It's a different kind of uh, <laughs> pain and race. What's your streak right now? I have not done a road run since April 13th. Oh, he's hanging on to that streak. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna hang on well, to that streak. Well, my last road run was Ball State that I DNF this year. <laughs> didn't work out so hot for me this year. No, it did not. No. Joe. 
It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been awesome. Um, I'm, I'm glad dinner turned out. I was a little worried. Your dog's taken care of? <laughs> the dog's taken <laughs> care of? Because we had Joe and my wife was like, uh, I thought she was going to, because she's she's way better at making stuff than I am. I'm like, well, Joe's coming over and he doesn't eat meat, <laughs> so we got to make some vegetable stuff. She's like, oh, I got the perfect thing. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go visit Ava this weekend. That's Bye. her oldest. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so she sent me the recipe and she sent me the ingredients list. And so thank God it all turned out. Yeah, it was perfect. It was Boy. great having you over. Yeah, thank you. We'll do this again sometime. For sure. Let me tell you, after recording this episode, Stafford and Joe spent 30 minutes talking about the ins and outs of Frozen Head State Park. I could never record that part because there were so many little secrets there that, well, you'll have to, you know, ask Jeff next time you see him. Thanks for everybody for listening to this episode of The Adventure Jogger. If you go to adventurejogger.com, there's back episodes. There's even a thing you can click on for gear. Like I said, new running team hoodies are available, t-shirts, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 